to Speak Your Mind, the podcast with Carla Pava. Today we will be speaking with a special guest, Cherry Sculch. She will be sharing her story with us. Welcome, Cherry. Tell us your story and how it started. Hi, Carla. Thank you for having me on your podcast today. And yes, uh, I was born and raised in a suburb of Michigan, right outside of Detroit. Um, I grew up in a family of four other siblings, which were all girls. So there were five of us and my mom and dad. And we grew up in a house that was 1,100 square feet and only had one full bath and one small bathroom. Oh, wow. So <laughs> it, was, it was a real struggle getting, you know, ready in the morning, all five of us, right, at the same time. For and, sure. Yeah. And so my mom never worked until we were uh, probably in high school. And my dad was the sole provider and he worked two jobs. Uh, he worked in uh, GM in the plastics division. And then he would go to a midnight shift job and work in a grocery store and stack groceries where my mom, uh, you know, raised us. And it's very interesting because my mom was, uh, what would you call, obsessive behavior when it comes to cleaning the house. Okay. So we had to get up before we left for school. I had to scrub the bathroom myself. That include wiping the sinks, the mirrors, sweeping the bathroom. And we had to make sure our room was perfect, the bed was made, and the clothes because there were three of us in this tiny bedroom and and if the bed wasn't made right guess what my mom would come in tear apart the bed and we would have to remake it it was she was very very as i call particular mm-hmm. and so we learned as we were growing up and then there was times when my dad went on strike and we would eat, and here's here's something interesting, peanut butter, right? Because peanut butter is full of protein. And I hate to say to this day, I do not eat peanut butter because we ate so much of it just trying to get through the day, right? So we had some something full in our belly. And there were a lot of times my mom and dad couldn't afford our groceries. So uh, we would have, I know I tell people this story all the time, that we would have scrambled egg sandwiches for lunch. She would put them on a piece of bread, you know, and of course, by the time lunchtime came, it was pretty darn soggy, but hey, it, it, it is what it is, right? We had to eat it. I mean, otherwise, th- that's what it was. And we never went on vacation. Uh, my mom and dad had a pool in the backyard, and that's what we used our recreation for. And, and at that time, when I grew up, we used to play with the kids and our neighbors in the street playing ball or tennis or whatever it is, right? Because we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have electronics. And here was the other thing. My mom only allowed us to watch TV for a specific amount of time. We never watched TV during the week. We could watch cartoons on a Saturday morning for only a limited time. Then it was, you know, go out and play, go read a book, but you're not sitting in front of the TV all day. 
And to this day, that's affected me because I don't hardly watch TV to this day. People say, well, you know, they talk about programs or even sitting in a movie theater. And I'm like, that I'm wasting time sitting there. I, I need to be doing something. And I know that comes from the root cause of my mom always telling us, you know, it was very particular. And she always said as a kid, you either do it right or you don't do it at all. So when we were cleaning or scrubbing or making our bed, it's like you do it 100%. Don't cut corners, okay? You do it right the first time and then you won't have to come back and do it a second time. So that was instilled to us all the way through through childhood. Even, um, and, and the thing is while we were growing up, at least when I was now, she got a little bit easier on my other sisters because we were almost a year apart. I have an older sister who's a year and a half, then I'm the second oldest, then my sisters one year, then my other sisters one year, and then uh, my baby sister, there was about a four year difference. So we were pretty close in age and we can never do any extracurricular activities because my mom didn't drive and my dad worked two jobs. Yeah, so yeah. it was so like- It was very uh, hard for you to have that ability to uh, to do activities, right? Yeah, and uh, absolutely. How did, that make, how did that make you feel all these, uh, you know, um, things that you had to do it in a certain way? And, you know, especially yeah. that you were young, you don't understand yet. Now yeah. as an adult, you see, but <laughs> at that time it was like, how did it make you feel? Well, that's so interesting. That's that's a great question because we did have friends, but it was like there was a certain regimen on Saturday. Okay, when you got up, the entire house had to be, as I just clean as a whistle is the only word. And we couldn't go anywhere. And my friends used to say, why do you guys have to clean your house on Saturday? And I'm like, I don't know. That's what my mom said. We have to do it. It's like we could never go anywhere. We couldn't do anything. And and then here's the other thing, because we didn't have no boys and my dad worked two jobs, we had to cut the grass, trim the bushes, shovel the snow. I mean, and we all had to take turns. And, and here's the other side of the coin, because all of us had asthma. We, oh, and so, wow. Yeah, so you're cutting the grass. I can't see, my eyes are swollen shut. I'm sneezing, but it was like, you do it, it's your turn, okay? We, there were five of us and we all had to rotate. And then here's, there, here's how much my mom was a fanatic. Even the garage, we had to hose out the garage. So that was clean. In our basement, we had tile that had to be cleaned every single week. So it was like this cleaning, fanatical. You know, as my friends, the, the friends that I sparingly had said, God, you could eat off your kitchen floor, Sherry. I mean, your house is always everything. That's that's funny, but not funny. <laughs> no, I know because, oh wait, I haven't told you the rest of the story. So then my mom always, we had to uh, iron clothes. We had to iron t-shirts. We had to iron pillowcases. We had to iron the sheets that we put back on our beds. Oh, and, wow. Oh yeah, it was, it was an extreme uh, with my mom. It was like everything it was a perfectionist had to be done right you know you iron those right we even had to iron my dad's hankies his his t-shirts it was 
it was crazy. So when I was going through, you know, high school, even through high school, this went through junior high, all the way up to high school. And if I wanted to join a sport and I did join one sport and that was swimming. And the only reason I was able to be on the swim team is my dad did buy an extra vehicle and my sister who was about a year and a half older than me, she got her driver's license and then I could drive with her. You know, she, we would go to the uh, practices, right. And then come back. So that was the only extracurricular activity. I couldn't join more than one because otherwise I'd have to hitch a ride and hopefully, you know, maybe someone on my street would be in that same activity. And it just, it wasn't worth it. It, 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 it just, my, my mom was also a screamer, right? She used to yell a lot and it was just, I always told myself when I, when I grow up and I, if, you know, I don't have any children, but if I ever had kids, I, you know, there's no way to raise your kids like that. And they were very, very strict. And I'll put it like that. Very, very strict. And wow. we, yeah, we were in a very, uh, we grew up in a Catholic family, we had to go church every Sunday. Sometimes we went twice a week and it was just, it was a very, it's almost like, a, as people would, would tell my friends with that, it's almost like a military regimen you grew up like, Sherry. And I said, yeah, right? But as we progressed and all of my sisters, here's the interesting, th- the interesting point too, is my parents never, ever encouraged us to go to college. It was like, you know, you just go, get a job and you're done. And when I turned 16 and I got my first job, and, and I'm a real a saver, a real miser. I had to pay for everything myself when I got my job, which mean all my clothes, my underwear, I mean, whatever wow. ever I needed, it was now taken out of my paycheck since I was now, you know, working. And I worked at a working. new, yeah, I worked at a movie theater making a dollar, I'll never forget this, a dollar 35 an hour. That's dating me, I know. <laughs> but that was that was what we made. And then I got up to 210 type of thing. But yeah, from that point on, uh, so even during high school, I was buying my own clothes, my own shoes, my own socks, whatever it is I needed, it, it was now up to me. And then when I turned 18, I had to start paying rent, okay? That's oh, what really? Yeah, wow. Oh, yes, yeah. So it's, it was, this is the way it is. You, your responsibility and you have accountability now. You're working, you're living at my house, I'm giving you board, I'm feeding you, now you're paying me back. So, wow. yeah, that's it, quite, it, that's, that's quite something because nowadays, um, it's a little bit different when you raise children. And uh, the fact that you said uh, something earlier about um, how you wouldn't have done the same thing to your children if you had some. Yes. And yes. it's funny because the, the children either become like the parents or they want to be the total opposite of the parents. That is so true. And I, yes, there are many times I'd be in my bedroom reading my book and I'm like, I, you know, I used to tell myself, I'm never going to raise my kids like this ever, ever you know, and, and they were real strict, you know, it was back then they hit you, right? I mean, it was like physical. I mean, now that I look back, it would probably was physical abuse, but at the time you're a kid and you don't know any better, you know, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors at anybody else's house. You just know what's happening in your household. 
at that given moment. But yeah, it was, uh, she ran that house and my dad with a strict, strict ruler, you know, and this is the way you're going to do things. So I end up getting married. I, I met this gentleman. And I remember to this day, I remember when he pulled in my driveway, heaven forbid, you know, that I would have a boyfriend and you couldn't even look at another boy until you were like at least 16 years old. You know, heaven forbid he came in my driveway. And I remember the one friend that I still have to this day, my best friend, he got out of the vehicle and um, I met him through the swim team. He was, I was a, a freshman in high school and he was a senior. My sister knew him, but I really didn't know him. I didn't know him until he had graduated and was going off to college. And I, I don't know, he, I don't know how the whole process went, but he ended up coming to my house, I don't know, through my sister. And he got out of the car and I told my girlfriend, oh my God, I'm gonna marry that man. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, you know how you, you get that premonition? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't even know this man. And I'm, she says, and you're going to marry him. And I'm like, oh my God, he's wearing hush puppy shoes. And at that time, hush puppy shoes was not a thing. You know, you're like, oh, oh I, was, I was just about to say, was that a thing back then? <laughs> no, it was like, that's really goony to be wearing hush puppy shoes. And I'm like, we laughed about it. And when you know, I end up marrying the man like six years later. Oh, you wow. know. And it, it and it was like to this day, you know, I, I am very faithful and and my God and I'm telling you, he was my godson to get me literally out of that house. But it's not like I married him to get out of the house. I'm still married to that man to this day, you know, over forty some years. Amazing. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And when I look back and he was just the most kindest selfless person I had ever met in my life and I used to compare him to the household that I lived and then I went to his household and seeing that family dynamics and I was like what the heck this family is so wonderful and they respect each other and they listen to each other and there's no screaming there's no yelling and I don't have to be you know, walking in my house every day on eggshells or on a cracked mirror thinking, oh my God, is my mom gonna go, you know, crazy today and start yelling and screaming because, you know, maybe I didn't put the fork away right in the cupboard or something. I mean, anything would would set my mom off. And, and to this day, I think my mom had too many kids too close together and I think it was overwhelming for her. That's just my gut instinct. I mean, my parents are still alive today. Uh, I, I've never been close to my parents. I'm just gonna put it out there. But um, I, I love them dearly, even though everything that happened to us when we were kids, yeah. I, I understand it, but I may not agree with it, but I can forgive, okay? Maybe yeah. I don't yeah. forget, but I, I still love them and but I, I was never close to them, even through, even till now, you know, my age, they're 87 and 89, but um, it is what it is, right? But here's, here's the dynamics of all my sisters. Um, all of us end up going to college and we're all very, and I don't mean this to uh, put a feather in our cap or anything, but all of us are very successful. And I think it was that regimen, and we all talk about it, when we look at what my mom, you know, it was like, we're all type A personalities, we're all driven, and we keep 
doing something until we reach that pinnacle. And then we reach that pinnacle and it's like, okay, we got to go now to B. We reach B, oh, let's go to C. But we're all like that. We're so driven. And sometimes it drives me crazy, personally, myself, because I don't watch TV and I don't sit and watch a movie. And when I'm sitting, like just sitting down, I think of 10,000 other things I should be doing than just sitting here and relaxing. I think because when I lived at that house for 21 years, you could never relax. It was always, okay, what is she going to make me do? Is she going to make me, you know, scrub the bathroom tile with a toothbrush? Yes, I did that. You know, the grout. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's like, okay, is she going to make me, you know, mop the whole floor again? Because maybe she's going to find crumbs that I missed the first time. So it was like, you're always on edge, you know, and I had stomach problems and I had colitis. And I think I ate, drank Pepto-Bismol every single day of my life when I was a kid, because it was always just right there, you know, at the tip of your throat, what's going to set her off? What's going to happen? So But, it's basically, it's basically like, um, your uh, nerve system was always oh. on alert. And obviously, uh, a lot of us, the nerve system will trigger to your stomach and then you get ill and all these things because you're always on high stress, high yes. alert. And your nerves are always high. You're never calm and relaxed because you don't know what's coming to hit you. Oh, that is so right. I mean, It's so funny, we're talking about it right now, and I can feel it in my gut. Is that bizarre, you know? I could feel that stress of being back there as we recollect and, and I talk out loud. It's like, it can take you right back there. And here my stomach is in knots again. Oh my God, that is, that is unbelievable, you know? Yeah, um, because it's still kind of like, you have that trauma in there. Yeah that trauma is still in there. And because you still feel that because you're, as you're talking, you're reliving it. It's basically, you have to uh, still work on that trauma to heal completely because it seems to be, it's not fully healed because mm -hmm. you will know once it's fully healed, it's when you're able to talk about it and it does not um, do anything to you. You don't mm -hmm. feel anything. Yeah. I, uh, wow. You're spot on there, Carla. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think that driven personality that I have is still there. I, I, I mean, you know, people say, Sherry, you're retired but, and, and you just don't stop. I'm busier now than when I worked. It's like, I don't know if that, that drive will ever subside because initially then once we got married, my husband and I, Um, I just had a job. I didn't go to college right off the bat, you know, and and then I decided I needed something more. You know, I, I, I felt like I just can't sit at this desk all day being a secretary. And I did go back to school and I was a respiratory therapist. I worked in ICU um, for about 10 years on those life support machines. Okay. And I probably did CPR every day of my life for about 10 years. And, and that's very oh, stressful. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it, and while I was working um, as a respiratory therapist, I end up working on midnights. I became the manager on midnights. I decided I needed something more, 
So I was going back to school. I was working full time and I decided I wanted to get my bachelor's degree in computer science. I'm like, oh, wow. What a big switch. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, okay, from the medical field where an emergency is an emergency. I mean, you're saving someone's life. And, And I eventually did graduate with my bachelor's degree in computer science. And I left the the medical field after 10 years. And I remember sitting at a desk again and uh, they said, now Sherry, this has got to be done. And this is an emergency. And I'm like, oh God, you don't know what an emergency really is. An emergency is, I just left a field where I was saving someone's life, right? And it's just like the the dynamics that had all changed, right? And And I really, at heart, I am a computer person. I mean, I love the medical field. I love my patients. I love caring for them, taking care of them. And, um, and and it's just like in the hospital, you have repeat customers like you do at a restaurant, you know, who come. Because um, I dealt with people who had lung problems, you know, who were old smokers or just asthma. And, and it got the best of them. And I love my patients. And, and to this day, I still miss that. But I have something now that replaces that caringness. And so as I I went, I I ended up getting the bachelor's degree and I was working and I worked in the computer field for 10 years. This is what's so interesting. And I got an email one day that said uh, your job, you lost your job the night before. GE, General Electric, has bought our company and you can stay on for six months. You'll get severance pay. Uh, but if you leave a day early, you'll miss all your bonuses and your severance pay, but you have to transport all the data to India because oh, that's, wow. yeah, that's where all the computer uh, for this company is being done. So, of course, I stayed on for six months and transported all the data and I was looking for a job and that was back in the 80s and I could not buy a job or an interview. Even though I had a medical degree and now I had a computer science degree, nobody was hiring. You know, you know how we have our hills and valleys in our economy. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. And we were we were in the valley at that time. So uh, we had already planned a trip to go see my sister in California. She's a financial planner out there. And and before I left, I remember the day before we were getting on the plane, her husband had a notary company and she said, yeah, Sherry, why don't you, here's the documentation, see what you can do and see if you can open up your own business. And I'm like, okay. So for about a week, I studied and I did my research. And, you know, again, from my parents, do your research, do and make sure you know what you're doing to the nth degree. And so I did. And I told my husband, I said, let me give this a try. Okay, six months, I've got the severance pay, I can help pay bills. And I said, if this doesn't work out, I promise you I'll go flip burgers at Mickey D's. Okay, just to bring in some revenue. Yeah. As it turned out, you know, as they say, the rest is history. I started it out in bedroom of my house. I end up buying a commercial building and then I opened up several entities and then I opened up my title company. Uh, the title company, you know how you buy a house and all that paperwork you have to sign? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's what my company did. I had about 15 employees. And then we had the real estate crash of 2008. Well, I was smack dab in the middle of it. And there was so much fraud going on. I mean, that's a story in itself. But anyways, to make uh, condense it, I was being sued for $4 million. 
Um, oh my. Yes, there was a coup of people who were coming in, and this was happening everywhere, just not at my title company, coming in, and there were four of them, and they were going to the Registered of Deeds, which is a government office, and uh, filing false records that claimed they owned the house when in fact they didn't. We closed a transaction on these houses that they really didn't own. Okay. Okay. And so then they came back. They knew I had an insurance policy. Of course, as a, a title insurance producer, I had to pay. It's it's protection, right? You know, it's like an E and O called heirs of omission. And I was pay- that that insurance policy was like thirty nine thousand dollars a month, thirty nine hundred dollars a month. Sorry. And um, I had to hire an attorney. I only had the company open five years, and my attorney fees, because there's no insurance to cover attorney fees, were. Um, exceeding $10,000 a month for uh, two years. So you can do the math there, right? That was a lot of money I had to pay. And yeah, I, had to take, it is. I had to take out a loan because my company, I mean, it was profitable, but I didn't have that kind of extra money, right? You have to reinvest it into the company for the first five years. Well, anyways, um, I had to hire an attorney, had to go to depositions after depositions, make a long story short, I had to close down the company. Um, I end up merging with two or three other companies because everybody uh, was having issues and they were closing their doors. And I finally got with the title company in in Troy, Michigan and Devon, and I became a silent partner. And it was never the same. You know, when you're your own entrepreneur and then you're working under somebody, it's like you're an employee. Um, But I stayed there, right? I mean, we negotiated a great deal. Um, he ended up, this was what I negotiated, and, and I'm telling you, it was my faith that, that really got me through this. Um, he ended up paying my attorney fees for about a year, and he also paid me a very uh, handsome salary every month. Um, but then okay. it got to a point where I was done. You know, there was so much fraud that had occurred in the real estate and everything I'd seen and houses foreclosing. I mean, we all... You might have been familiar, you know, how many people's houses were foreclosing. And, and it was it was a dark, dark time for me because when I was getting sued, I didn't know how I was going to pay that $4 million. I thought I would literally lose everything that I owned. But my husband was very wise when I opened my company. We had a trust that we put our personal belongings in this trust and my business in another trust so they couldn't go against my personal belongings so yeah yeah that's why they say it's so important to do a corporation versus a sole proprietorship yes and put it in a trust fund or just a trust where they it completely separates your personal from the company itself and it was thank god because uh i had to just i didn't i didn't bankruptcy I just shut the company down and there were no more assets so that the clients that I had left I merged with the new title company that I was a silent partner so it, it did work out but then um, it came to a point where I, I was just done and um, I decided to leave the title insurance business but I didn't know what else to do well I end up here here's that type A personality going on uh, a motivational speaking circuit. So what I I end up talking about is my story, Uh, specifically what happened to me 
through this lawsuit of four million dollars and what got me through every single day right it was a it was as i tell everybody when i when i was giving these speeches for all these these entities it was like you have a choice every single day to get up you can either think positive or you can think negative it takes the same amount of energy so why wouldn't you expect the best instead of expecting the worst but we tend to go like oh my god i'm gonna lose everything i don't know what to do instead of thinking you know what everything's gonna turn out i don't know i don't know the end result but i am gonna have an attitude of gratitude every single day and i am gonna get through this and that's basically i had to tell myself that every single day for two years even though it was so dark uh i i never stayed in bed i got out of bed every day and i drove to the office just because I knew if I had to do something to move my life in a forward direction, because I didn't want to say, oh, this is, this is it. I'm going to lose it all. And I, and I'm not perfect. And I had many dark days, you know, where I thought I'm done. You know, I don't know what, what to do. And, you know, I was, I was, I was just going to say that I'm pretty sure you had your days where, you know, you felt so, um emotional depressed uh, or uh, you know not even wanting to get out of bed and uh, just staying there um because let's face it when when we keep hitting on the same thing and we really and there's that barrier that keeps stopping you from moving forward and there's uh, no light and you don't yes. know out of despair you don't know any anymore um you know like what's there where what's waiting for me the unknown is there and it's like is it gonna get worse is it gonna get better right oh i'm telling you you are spot on and i remember just I, and this is where my turning point was yeah and you were so right i remember i was just crying and and i was sitting on my couch i went home i was having a really bad day and I'm like, God, I am done. I am done. I cannot live my life anymore. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I was less than a hundred pounds. I'm like, I'm done. I, I don't know what else to do. I, I've been praying for two straight years. I, I keep getting up, going to the office, and I see no light. I, I just didn't know what to do. We're gonna take a quick break and we will be right back. Have you heard about Deals of Flames candles? Well, let me tell you, their collection is absolutely amazing. Their candles is made with crystals and provide a very beautiful fragrance. They do have a love candle, protection, wealth, and energy. So check out dealsofflames.com and order your candle today because their vision is to make sure you are loved, protected, wealthy, and fueled with positive energies in all levels of your life. Let's face it, candles are a universal symbol of light, warmth, and hope. So don't forget, order your candle today.
with Cherry's story. And I remember sitting there praying, and then all of a sudden I had this light bulb moment. I'm like, that's what I got to do. And what came over me is like, go to your attorney, go to David. I had no him on a first name basis and said, I'm done. Okay. And that's what I did. I went to his office the next day. I said, David, we have to negotiate something. Whatever it is, I have to live with it. I'm tired of the depositions. I'm tired of going through the stress of this. And so he says, would you give me seven days? I said, okay, David, seven days. So uh, he called me on the seventh day. He says, come on down. I got a proposal for you. And I'm like, oh my God, I remember driving down and I'm thinking, I have no idea what this is, but I got, I have to do it. So he says, they were wondering if you could pay the $4 million. And I told him you didn't have $4 million. And so they told what, what the deal was. I had to close the company down. I could not open up a title company for 10 years, which I had no intention of ever opening up another title company. And that's it. And I said, that's it. All I have to do is shut down the company and don't open one. He says, yeah, Sherry, that's what they, they negotiated. They were after your E&O policy, your insurance policy. And because there's so much fraud that's going on in the market right now, the insurance companies will not pay up. And I said, you mean I've been paying $4,000 a month for five years and they won't pay a dime? He said, no. And I told him that. And so that's how it ended. And then I end up merging with another title company within 24 hours of signing that deal. And I remember walking out of his office. Oh, I hugged him. I thanked him, you know, for everything. And honest to God, there was the brightest sun I had ever seen in my life. Now, I'm sure it wasn't wow. that bright, but I'm telling you, I looked up and I thank God. And to this day, talking about it, I can still get emotional because it was like 10,000 bricks had been lifted from my shoulders. And I'm like, who would have ever guessed? I didn't have to pay a dime towards my lawsuit. All I had to do was close down the company and I merged with another company within 24 hours. I mean, God is just beyond great. And, and my faith has intensified and grown so much. And I had that title company for 10 years. It's like everything is a 10 year scope, 10 years in the hospital, 10 years in the computer science and 10 years in the real estate. And here's the thing, talk about three different kind of fields. And then I was a motivational speaker. Yeah. But, but it was like from one extreme to the other. And then, you know, after I was on the circuit for a while, I'm like, okay, I need to do something else. <laughs> and I'm sitting home. And during the stress of that title industry, uh, my girlfriend dragged me to yoga. She said, you're going to have a heart attack or stroke out. You need to relax. This is, this is crazy. So I went to a yoga class. I loved it so much. I became a yoga instructor within a year, but I really never did anything with it. I just knew that I loved to practice. I knew the relief I got, the stress decrease, the calmness, the focus. It was just the best thing I ever did. But like I said, I, I had that a certification and then once I was through all of this, through the speaking engagements. I decided, my husband said, well, why don't you go teach yoga? You know, you always loved it and just do it in your retirement years. So guess what? I did. But when I realized I started teaching, seniors couldn't get up and down off the mat as easily, right? I mean, we get arthritis right, and, right. and what have you. And, 
I ended up developing rheumatoid arthritis four years ago, and I'm sure that has to do with all the stress in my life, you know. Because oh, I, w- I was just about <laughs> to say that the two years that you've yeah. been sponging all that stress, all that emotional, um, all that losing the weight, oh. it's like it went straight to your bones. It soaked everything up to later come up into a different state yes oh it's the illness that you got oh and i don't i don't doubt it for a second and so of course you know the type a personality i have i had to get to the root cause what causes rheumatoid arthritis and of course stress and it's a little bit hereditary very minor but it's also food so I didn't want to take any drugs, any medication, because I knew all the side effects. I knew the drug of treatment is metatrexol and prednisone. Prednisone makes you gain weight. Metatrexol is a form of chemotherapy. And so I decided to find a rheumatologist who also believed holistically. And I found one in Michigan, and I've also found one here in Arizona. And so food is my medicine right now. And I don't eat any refined sugars, any carbohydrates, any processed food, or any dairy. So basically, I eat fruit, vegetables, and protein. But yeah, again, I have to move my joints every day because the pain never goes away. But I've decreased it by about 80%. So I'm pretty happy about that, you know? Yeah. Plus, there's like, uh, um, also talk about the, the, certain vegetables it's called like the night vegetables oh, yeah, or something the night- like that yes absolutely you are you are correct so i eat fruits and vegetables but i do not eat the nightshades the nightshades cause joint pain and inflammation and the nightshade vegetables are the tomatoes potatoes eggplant and any type of pepper so those i avoid too and i know people ask me Oh, Sherry, how do you do that? I said, listen, when I was diagnosed four years ago, I couldn't get out of bed because the rheumatoid arthritis hit the one whole side of my right side of my body, my toes, top of my feet and ankles, and I couldn't bend my ankles. And I said, you get desperate at that point in time because you're just in so much pain and you just want to get rid of the pain. And so that's when I did my research, took me three months to find that rheumatologist. And I'm telling you, he saved my life. But not all people can do it because I said, everything in life is a choice, okay? So you can choose to take the medication or I could have chose to eat the right food. And I just choose to eat the right food. And as long as I eat the right food, 80% of my pain is okay. I can withstand the 20%. Now, if I cheat, now the first year was, I'm not saying it was easy, okay? So the first first year I did cheat, you know, but I don't anymore because what happens when you do cheat, you get that pain back immediately in 24 hours and it doesn't leave your body for at least three days. So I'm like, I'm in pain, I get migraine headaches, it's, it's just not worth it anymore. So I, I don't, and I know where my threshold is. Okay. That's the other thing people need to understand. Like, let's say, uh, I like this dessert in front of me and my husband's eating it. I will take a bite, but I could never eat that whole piece. Just like a cookie. I'll take the bite. Okay. But that's it. 
Okay, because I know where my threshold right. is. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, right, the, right. the pain will come, and they're like, oh, "You can only take a bite." I said, "Wait, you know, if you have never had that kind of pain or rheumatoid arthritis, yes, it's not worth eating that whole cookie or that whole piece of cake. No, you satisfy your sweet tooth, eat it, but then walk away, and and you get used to it. I've been doing it now for four years, so it's it's yeah. It, it, I totally okay. understand where you come from. Because uh, for myself, it's like uh, when people say, "Oh, you don't drink alcohol," oh, no. and uh, it's like only socially sometimes, yeah. but it does affect me. It it's kind of like toxic to my body, and yeah. it gives me bruises to my body. Oh, and yes. only yeah, only I know the effect, right? right. And this is the reason why I choose not to. Uh, to even intake anything because I just don't need it. It's not healthy for my body. It's not healthy for me, and it's a choice, right? Right. Absolutely. You, you, you are so right, Carla. And that's me too. I only drink coffee, water, or unsweetened iced tea. That's it. That's all I drink. You know. And See. Yeah. I. I and you make and you make like beautiful sh- banana shakes. I've seen oh. it. Yes. Oh my God, they're my favorite. It's like I make my banana smoothie, and it's like my ice cream. You know? Oh, I I love it. You know? So people and I and I have a cookbook, and people say, I don't know how you. There's not a lot of food you can eat. I said, Oh yes, there is. I said you get very creative, and I said I make my own bread. I make my own cookies. As long as you use the right ingredients. I said, "Don't worry. I I satisfy my sweet tooth. Okay, no worries, because I did have a terrible sweet tooth, you know. But uh, yeah, I said I need all that stuff. Just you just have to make it with the right ingredients. And I said I don't. And then they say, "Well, can you go out to dinner?" I said, "Yes. You can have a protein. You can have vegetables, and you can yeah. have a salad. Okay, so there's you can always find something on the menu. Always. Exactly. Exactly. It's how it's how you look at food now." Yes, yes, you are so right, Carla. You look at food in a whole different limelight. Absolutely, you know. Yeah. So now all of this, you know, journey of your life and all that, it leads you to your present, which you are. Um, it's called a chair yoga instructor. Tell us a little bit more about that. Oh yes, absolutely. So when I started teaching, you know, yoga, I realized my seniors couldn't get up any longer, and so. I decided to create my own chair yoga routine, and that was—it's going on seven years, and so I kind of perfected it over the years. And yes, I now teach chair yoga to seniors here in Arizona ten times a week. And here's the thing—if you would have told me, you know, back when I had rheumatoid arthritis four years ago, I would be on TikTok. Instagram doing these videos and teaching chair yoga, I would have told you you bumped your head because I couldn't even get out of bed four years ago, and now I can encourage and I say inspire and tell everybody it doesn't matter how your what your age is, we can always stretch our muscles, we can always gain flexibility, and you have to move. Your body, as we age, because I think as we retire, we we get sedentary, right? And oh yeah. no, my joints hurt. I can't move. No, I said that's the time you need to move them, right? We have to move our body every single day for 30 minutes. And my and I always say my rheumatologist recommended lifting weights, doing chair yoga, and walking. Those are the best exercises to do for your joints. 
And and I said, and I remember talking to my rheumatologist, and he said, uh, you know, I said, well, yoga is not going to be an an issue because I'm a yoga instructor, and he's like, well, then you don't have an excuse because I want you to do them today and for the rest of your life. What I recommend, and take these vitamins. You know, I take like nine or ten different vitamins every day to help that 20% of my pain. And so, I teach chair yoga. My Uh, age ranges from 55 to 102 and it, wow that's amazing it is amazing and i on tuesday i teach a class as a matter of fact i teach two classes on tuesday uh, people who are in wheelchairs in the one class and the other class is for people who are memory care and i'm telling you they still can move their body move those arms move those shoulders their fingers their feet their toes we move everything And honest to God, I absolutely love. I'm at the end, you know, at the tail end. I've I've been through all my different careers, but I'm telling you, life is good for me right now, and and I love what I do. And amazing, it, it is. Amazing. It, it, it's. I, I mean, I would have never guessed if you would have said I'd be teaching chair yoga to seniors at my age. I would have said no. I think you got it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Now, tell us a little bit more about, um, you know, vitamins that are helpful for those that are listening and have the same condition as you and oh. they don't really know the vitamins that would be helpful. Oh, that's um, a great question. Oh, that, that is a great question. I'm so glad you asked that. Yes. So here's the vitamins I take literally every single day. I start off with um, vitamin C. I take calcium. I take zinc. I take turmeric with curcumin. Okay, because it has to have that curcumin in it. I take okay. glu- glucosamine. Uh, those are for my knees because I have bad knees. I used to be a runner. Um, I also take an omega three. Which and, and and here's the thing with omega threes, because we have joint pain and inflammation, so the omega three has to have a good quantity of the EPA and DHA in the omega three, and you can see that when you look at an omega three vitamin. I also take D three. Okay, because people who have rheumatoid arthritis or arthritis are always deficient in vitamin D, and I okay. also take B12, and I think oh no one more magnesium. How can I forget my magnesium? Oh yes, I was waiting for that one. Magnesium, yeah. <laughs> magnesium citrate. Okay, so I think that's nine or ten. I, I I labeled off. Yeah, so those are what I take literally every single day. You know. Do you take one of each, or yes, is it like one, a multivitamin? No, I don't take any multivitamin. These are all individual ones that individual. I take, yeah, okay. separately. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, so they're okay. all, yeah. That's awesome. Like that's really nice to know yes. because a lot of people, I'm sure, they've never even thought of that. Uh, now the other thing is um, going to that time where it hits you this condition and yes. you're. Under a lot of pain, so you didn't take any medication whatsoever. And how long did it take you to recover? Are you like your tolerance of pain high or low? Or yeah, yeah I think I have a, a, a 
high pain tolerance, but I never ever took any kind of medication. Uh, once in a while, I'll take a Tylenol, but when I was sitting or lying down, I'd be on my computer uh, searching, researching. I need to find a rheumatologist. And then I was doing my own research about food. So I mm. did put myself on this quote, which I thought was the right food. And here's the other thing about nightshade. Okay, I know I put potatoes in there, but for me, my I have one more nightshade I include under that bucket and it's called sweet potatoes. Okay. So when I went to the rheumatologist, he wanted to know exactly what I was eating for the last seven days. And I had, you know, put it down ahead of time before I'd been there. And he could see I was eating sweet potatoes every day. Well, he examined all my joints at the, my first visit. He said, I don't even know how you walked in here. Every single joint in your body is inflamed. And he says, get rid of those sweet potatoes. Okay, stop them. And then he gave me the list of food. He says, I'll never forget this. He says, here's your list of foods you can eat. If it's not on the list, you can't eat it. Well, there was hardly nothing on this list. I said, listen, Thanksgiving's two days away. He's like, medication, Sherry, or food? I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. Give me that list, you know? And yeah. so so I was on it and it, the first, I did stop cold turkey, okay? So I didn't eat any refined sugar, any carbohydrates, any processed food or any dairy. So I was very, very strict and I was sick for like seven days. You get the flu-like symptoms, right? Your body's going through withdrawals. And he oh, had, yeah. yeah, and he had told me, go in your cupboard, get rid of everything that's not on this list. Give it, so I gave it to the soup kitchen, gave it to my neighbors because he says, your cravings will intensify when you're going through the withdrawals. So I did, I got rid of everything in my house that I couldn't eat. My husband, he was a saint, you know, but he knew how much pain I was in. So for seven days, I went through the withdrawal. And then for me, okay, now it's different for everybody. The eighth day, it was like a light switch. It was like the cravings were gone. My energy was through the roof. It was like I could have went out and ran a marathon. I mean, that's how wow. much energy I had. It was like, what is going on here? And then I'm like, okay, the pain is getting a little bit better, but you're, you're so miserable for seven days. It's just like, you, you're just, you just feel miserable. You got headaches and, and you feel like you're going to get sick and you're nauseous. And then as the weeks progressed by, uh, took me about 30 days and I was like, oh my gosh, the pain is going away. And then I lost like 30 pounds. And, and it wasn't, I was even focused on losing weight. I was focused on eating the right food and thinking about the pain. That's all that was on my mind. I, regardless of what was happening with my weight gain or weight loss, I, that was not my focus. But then I thought, my clothes aren't fitting. What's going on here? Sure enough, I got on the scale and in 30 days I had lost 30 pounds. Wow, it's because of all the inflammation, because if your yes. body is inflamed, everything yes. is like uh, a balloon. Yes, no, that's so true. And when you feel, as I tell everybody, when you fuel your body with the right food, it responds. Unbelievable. And so I never, I'm never sleepy. I never have to take naps. I, my energy is like this 24-7. I think it's because I'm just fueling my body with the right food and I feel great every, I mean, I'm okay. I'm going to take a step back. 
because people say, do you still get RA attacks, rheumatoid arthritis? Yes, I do. Okay, I, I got a bad hip. My hip within four years went bad. I already been to the surgeon. Um, I'm probably gonna have to have a hip replacement, but I got a bone spur, I got a tear, I got severe arthritis. It's your body does do crazy things, but I said, just get rid of the bone spur because sometimes I'll have an attack and I can barely walk and I, and I have to stretch it, be careful. And he says, no, we can't take the bone spur off because it'll shatter your hip and then we'll have to have a hip oh, replacement. No. So I, I just grin and bear it. So yeah, there's days I, I get, I have my attacks. And when you have an RA attack, you're exhausted. I, I, it's just, I don't like, it's not like I have to fall asleep. I just have to lay down and rest my body. It's the only word I can, you feel like you've exercised for four hours and you're just exhausted, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I lay down for about 30 minutes and I get back up and, and I'm feeling better, right? Uh, and sometimes I'll have to take a Tylenol, but that's very rare that I will take something. Um, but yeah, so that was four years ago. And now wow. I'm on TikTok doing videos and Instagram and, yeah. and who would have known? Sure. Who would have known, right? Who would have known? <laughs> and, and now and I, that, I was going to say, I think it's so good and so nice for people to hear the real. And even though you're out there, you have a beautiful smile, you're at it, you're inspiring others. You also have a behind the scenes situation here and there that yes. does arise and, and, mm -hmm. and you still grab that situation and make it into a positive. Yes, yes. Because I know people see you on social media and they think, oh, she's always happy. She got this. And, you know, and that's what they see. But they don't know what goes behind the scenes where I have bad days like everybody. Right. I mean, there's days where I don't want to exercise or lift my weights, but I do it anyways. Right. That's the days you got to dig deep and do right. it anyways, even though you don't want to. But, you know, exactly. it's going to pay off for you. Right. In the end. Absolutely. So yes. now, um, Sherry, is there a special message you would like to uh, share with our listeners? Yes. Yeah. And and for anybody that's listening Right. We know that when life gets harder, we have to challenge ourselves to be stronger during those points. And it's always about choice. We make 10,000 choices a day. Why don't we choose the choice of having an attitude of gratitude, thinking positive? You're going to have a positive outcome instead of thinking the worst. And I tell everybody, no matter who I'm with, even while I'm teaching chair yoga, just do your best, expect the best, and forget the rest. And that's <laughs> it even rhymes, eh? That's really <laughs> I good. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's really good. Um, that's my message, yes. Yeah, Sherry, I would like to thank you for sharing your inspirational story with us today. And for all the listeners out there, a big thank you. And keep tuning in for our next episode. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you so much, Carla. It's been a real pleasure speaking You're with welcome. you today.